I'm Major Robinson, Juanita Vero, Chris Warden, Barb Sistero, Jim Swan, Adriana Hines. This is Sherry Jarvis. Hello, this is Samuel Enemy Hunter from Lodgegrass, Montana. From Greeno, Montana. From Rocky Boy. From Virginia City, Montana. Helena, Montana. And you're listening to. And you are listening to. Listen first. Listen first. You're listening to Listen First, Montana. Hi, this is Chantelle Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. Hello and welcome to Listen First Montana, a podcast of Leadership Montana. I'm Eric Halverson. You're listening to a special mini-series of this podcast focused on Leadership Montana's newest program, the Indigenous Immersion Initiative. About 20 Leadership Montana alumni are participating in this new program, and you'll hear from them as they visit four different tribal nations. Their reflections on this podcast offer listeners a wide range of perspectives, insights, and levels of familiarity with the communities this group will visit. For this episode, let's head to the Northern Cheyenne Nation for a conversation between Sherry Jarvis of Virginia City and Tony Rockman of Kalispell. Tony is also a member of Leadership Montana's Indigenous Advisory Committee. This episode was recorded in September of 2022 in the backseat of a moving vehicle, so you'll hear a few sounds of the road. These two members of the inaugural class of the Indigenous Immersion Initiative discuss Tony's recent application for membership in the Crow Tribe, Sherry's observations through the lens of a professional artist, their experience inside a sweat lodge in Lame Deer, and much more. My name is Sherry Jarvis, um, and I'm a visual artist. I live in Virginia City, the legendary Virginia City in Southwest Montana. And I'm Tony Brockman from Kalispell. Okay, Sherry, uh, what were your your thoughts and feelings uh, as you drove to Northern Cheyenne yesterday? I just was overwhelmed with a feeling of gratitude and eagerness. I am so grateful to be invited and welcomed to Indian country and to the Northern Cheyenne Nation specifically. I always feel nurtured when I'm in the hands of one of our tribal nations. It feels like such a privilege, it's such a, it's such a privilege and I, I, I'm honored. What are you looking forward to uh, for our time on Northern Cheyenne? I'm really looking forward to more of what I felt last night. When I got here last night, um, I was privileged to be part of the sweat and there, it was so emotionally huge for me. I was legit nervous that I would pass out in the sweat. And, um, and I just didn't, it was a foreign concept. I had learned from both our host at the Wild Rose Lodge, April, and when we got there from Major about how it was going to work and what we could expect and what it might feel like Um, and then there was this moment where 
I we were told that we couldn't wear contacts to going into the sweat and I was literally like just almost to taking a step in right and so I was like oh huh okay now what do I do but I just gave into it and I took my contacts out I um, threw them in my pocket and saw with my heart and let my heart see what I needed to see metaphorically and I am looking forward to more of that tell me about you what do you look forward to how do you feel being here I'm really looking forward to being here I've uh, this is part of the state that I uh, get to rarely, of course, uh, but looking forward to to learning more about this country and and these people. You know, yesterday was fun driving uh, through Crow Agency and uh, the Little Bighorn Battlefield. As I shared in our sharing circle earlier, my ancestors are from the our, our Crow, and uh, our family has property next to the. Li- the little bighorn battlefield so i got to see where uh you know where my father grew up and uh and be a part of that when i heard about um the indigenous immersion class it was um a visceral yes it was wholehearted whole body uh, yes, in the sense that I've lived in Montana my entire life. I've learned embarrassingly little about um, the history of our neighbors and friends and relatives in some cases. And, and so intellectually, it was... Um, a no-brainer, no pun intended, but it was, there was a certainty about my desire to learn. Um, and then it was also, as the experience was described to me, it felt so necessary for me as an artist and to see the world or to see this um, to go through this journey with the eyes of an artist, um, specifically because I wanted to think about how, uh, what our experience might look like in art, not just in looking at the landscape, not just in seeing beautiful things that we aren't used to being able to see, but in but being able to see the conversations that we were going to have together as a community of not of native and non-native participants and to be able to see our own pathways of growth and um, transformation and think about what that might mean as you know in terms of visual art nice uh, well I have the the fortune of being on on the organizing committee for this uh, this initiative and I just felt really fortunate to be a part of it uh, fortunate that I was asked leadership Montana asked me to be a part of it and uh, you know coming from coming from Kalispell having Native American ancestry but uh, not knowing a whole lot about that ancestry 
and bringing my my basic knowledge and perceptions and 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 all that uh, was really cool. I've learned so much about these various communities already, but to be in them and to be going through them, it's really something special. Sherry, tell me about the the landscape from your artistic lens. When I think about my artwork, when I think about you know how I want to reflect the world back to the world, you know, through my art. I think about it in a couple of ways. And so on one hand, there's the, you know, what we see in front of us, like right now we're looking at, you know, beautiful, um, a beautiful landscape full of color, full of fall colors, full of dimension and interest and intrigue, uh, full of life full of evidence of love and nurturing of the land. I am always interested in, in, you know, painting that or, you know, somehow reflecting that back for, for future generations, I guess. But then also, I look at the way we interact with one another in this, on this journey, and I see elements of uh, conversational growth and conversational challenge and um, interpersonal exchange that is also reflected in the landscape in really beautiful ways. So I see elements of respect and reciprocity and vulnerability and resilience and joy and all of those things. And so I have been you know, taking notes, I've been making these lists of words that I see in our group process, and I am noticing them in the land. And I'm so grateful and delighted to be able to see that and um, be able to be documenting that in art. And I'm taking that very seriously. Sherry, what has surprised you on this journey so far? I think about the, the whole yeah the whole uh, the whole initiative. experience of it yeah i think um it's such a great question because um as, as much as i feel like i understand the premise of leadership montana's listen first uh and as much as i feel like i try to practice that i didn't do that walking in and i needed to be reminded of that and it was a brilliant and um, heartfelt moment that I that I was able to learn that through the process of learning in public, because I I came in with uh, I came in with uh, ways that I thought the world should work, and um, and it's not it it, it it wasn't like native and non-native either. It was about you know people who have differences of opinion and who have different experiences and how I needed to be reminded to stop talking <laughs> and listen. <laughs> Tell me about you. The thing that I think surprises me most about our journey thus far is how much there still is to learn, you know, not only with, uh, you know, the various tribes, but where they're situated in the state and what that place means to to them uh, versus what it means to me. That's awesome. 
What do you see in the landscape? What like what strikes you right now as we're driving down the road and we're looking at these amazing painted hills and you know one of the things I always try to do when I'm out and about driving wherever is look at the fences. Montana's obviously full of fences, but it once it wasn't once. And you know I always try to think about this country of ours uh, before the fences and what the first people and Lewis and Clark would have seen being able to go anywhere they wanted you know, and what their journeys were like 100 plus years ago you know, and what it takes to tame this land. And, and there, there are obviously still parts of Montana that are very rough to live on, not just on Indian reservations, but, um, you know, our landscape is is very unforgiving uh, some sometimes. I always like to think about that. Um, I definitely probably couldn't have lived a hundred years ago, but those people did, and and they were very strong. I think your description earlier of resilience is perfect. Uh, Montanans are Montanans and Native Americans are of course very resilient people. Yeah, I think what I'm really recognizing what's what's really I don't know if it's surprising, but I'm just grateful to be seeing it and witnessing it is the resilience of culture that is being so um, gently but assertively re-established. And, um, and what a beautiful sight to see that happening and to understand, you know, the you know, kind of the cultural genocide that was perpetuated and that that there is a, a light at the, you know, a light forward for the cultural um, component, you know, like you just, as a Montanan, you know, again, I've been here my entire life and there is so much I I didn't know or didn't recognize or or like a lot of people of the generation I grew up around was, you know, actively dismissed and often denigrated. And I'm, you know, and I'm horrified by that and sad. And um, and now I, as we, you know, like when we were on the Blackfeet Reservation and we were able to, you know, see some of the cultural, um, renaissance elements that were happening you know like at the the horn camp and everywhere we went to see that that re-immersion the reassertion the re-establishment of culture that is more rich than i've ever known you know i i don't i feel privileged to be witness to that As a person growing up in Montana, tell me about your observation of your time in Indian Country, and specifically since you have roots in Crow culture, what do you feel in your heart? It's a really good question. You know, uh, in our family, of course, my my father is an enrolled member of of the Crow tribe. I and my siblings are not. Um, we went through the process 
uh, this summer and unfortunately were denied uh, as a result of blood quantum. Uh, and I'm still working through what that means to, you know, uh, be denied by your culture, you know, because no one is denied to be Irish or, or Scottish or any of those other things. Uh, you know, and it's a very cold process in terms of, you know, it's like being denied to, into a specific school or, or uh, you know, something along those lines. But yeah, uh, as I said in our sharing circle earlier, uh, you know, my father grew up, uh, uh, you know, on the Little Bighorn Battlefield, their uh, property is right next to it. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of uh, our family knowledge has been denied to us. Um, uh, you know, my father moved to the Flathead when he was a teenager, and we grew up in a very, you know, in that culture, you know, not a whole lot of Native American knowledge was passed down to us. Um, you know, and and that's unfortunate. So, taking a taking these opportunities to learn about that, uh, I guess, is the next best thing. Mm-hmm. So, Tony, I'm curious to know how you feel when you come here w- with the fresh knowledge that your application was denied. Um, it is unfortunate uh, that my uh, my application was denied, but. Uh, you know there are standards, and unfortunately, I didn't meet them. And luckily, through Leadership Montana uh, and and this immersion program, I get to experience some of uh, some of that culture—not just my own ancestral culture, uh, but others as well. Yeah, you know, it 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 comes in a, a nice little letter uh, that says you're rejected. Mm, I'm so sorry. What did your dad think? I'm curious to know what your dad thought. We knew that it would be a long shot, um, but yeah, he just said okay. Well. If you so, if you were to ask someone, if you were to ask someone in Cronation, what what they thought of that, what kind of an answer do you think you'd get? That's a really good question. You know, I think, of course, among Native Americans, everything is about blood quantum. Um, you know, you. You're literally judged based on on what uh, level of or you know, how much blood Indian blood you have in you. Uh, I think, generally speaking, though, um, you know, as I said earlier, like, what if I said you're not? Well, you know, your blood doesn't say you're enough Scottish or Irish. You know, what would your response be? I mean, just because was- your your grandfather came from Scotland. You're not Scottish. Right. It, we just wouldn't have those conversations. It just wouldn't happen. Whereas in the Indian country, it's the really one of the only things that matter. I see you struggling with that. I'm so struggling with that. Do you feel re- do you feel rejected? Yes, but also we didn't grow up being a part of that culture, you know, I grew up in the Flathead, and um, like I said, it we knew it'd be a long shot, and you know, it's not as if I grew up on the reservation. You know, we grew up eight hours from it, so. So, in the interest of learning in public, I am just now realizing that your letter didn't come from the federal government. Uh, 
or from white culture or non-native culture, your letter came from the Crow tribe. Yes. Blood quantum and all that was established originally by the federal government, but it is adopted uh, by Indian country um, because that's what they have to go off of. Um, okay, so I wasn't wrong on that. I thought I thought it was a federal... Um, originally adopted, uh, yeah. established by the federal government, but okay. then adopted by, to my knowledge, all tribes. So I would be curious to ask uh, a, an elder, if I had the chance, what they thought about that. You'll probably get the chance in the next few days. <laughs> oh my gosh. This experience has reminded me that assumptions are lame. <laughs> that <laughs> I, when I have an assumption um, and it turns out so wrong, it's such a m- moment of humility and hilarity in some ways. So like as an example, I signed up to camp uh, in one of the teepees and I was so honored to be able to be invited to do that. I've never done that before. And before I left, my husband said, well, what's it going to be like? And I said, well, you know, when we were at the horn camp, the, you know, the teepee was, you know, there were mats on the ground and there were these elevated there was this elevated area for sleeping and there was this lovely fire pit in the center and it was so cozy and so warm and um, I'm sure I'll be fine, you know, just with a sleeping bag. And he said, well, don't you think you should call and ask what it's going to be like? And I made the assumption that every, it was going to be exactly the same. And and it's not. And so I found Did my, you at least bring a sleeping bag? I, I, I did, but I didn't bring a mat. And so I had to borrow, I borrowed a couple of uh, yoga mats and a couple of blankets from our host, which was, I was so grateful that she had those for me. Um, you know, and then there was this moment where I'm, you know, I'm used to staying in a tent if, I mean, I, and it's been years since I've camped in general. You know, we have a, we have a camper right so since I've been years since I've been in a tent and I look around and there's like a three inch gap between the bottom of the teepee fabric and the ground oh no you know nature can enter through that right and so that's what I was thinking I'm like oh my hmm, should I like should I be worried about snakes or (laughs) I don't know Um, and then I just kind of went you know what what if uh, what's the worst that can happen and you know, people do this all the time, and I'll be fine. Um, and I was fine, and I slept like a baby, and I felt completely safe, and it was beautiful. It's a privilege, and I felt it um, when we were up in Browning. I felt it so deeply up in Browning, and I feel it here as well. And I hope that as a group we can move more toward a perspective of listening first. I'm going to hate to, you know, (laughs) 
it sounds so it sounds so contrived but it's really not I mean because I think a lot of us in general you know we like we come here to this program we come here to Indian country to try to help fix what's wrong right try to figure out how we can help and really I, I think our job is to just listen and and learn and then take that forward and lead I don't think it's our job to come in here and try to figure out you know a dominant culture solution to an ancient cultural um, journey and set of needs I don't think you know I think I think we're here to um, be better neighbors. Thanks to Sherry Jarvis and Tony Brockman for coming on the podcast. And thanks to you for listening in to this fifth installment of our mini-series focused on Leadership Montana's newest program, the Indigenous Immersion Initiative. If you've enjoyed today's episode and would like to support Listen First Montana, please tell a friend about the show or share your favorite episode on social media. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro is a rendition of the Montana State Song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First Montana. Montana.